All right. Question of the week. Um, we've seen a lot of stuff come back, um, and we've seen sports come back more than anything. But my question is, even with all the leagues going on, do you think they should be canceled? Because we keep seeing pockets of players get COVID-19 and they just pass it. And do you think it should just be completely shut down for the year? Honestly, yes. Because mm-hmm. even if some are successful, I don't know what their precautions are taking. Because I really don't know what uh, baseball were like they didn't do anything extreme as the NBA and clearly right it cost them like them traveling still for games or still got uh, plenty of players uh infected so right yeah no I I I, I agree um it just seems like you know every day we hear about a new player um getting sick and then one thing you're seeing is the NFL which isn't, hasn't even started OTAs are players just completely opting out of this season yeah which and I don't blame them yeah so I don't know I think sports should maybe just be like it's not gonna happen so yeah. in addition to that you've got players not following the guidelines to say help right. like right. they're doing all this to make sure you get compensate or whatever and you're still going out there and just violating the rules and whatnot and oh that's why we're in the mess we're in now right and that's just we keep seeing that ignorance everywhere i don't understand why people keep holding parties like come on man yeah it just makes any sense it doesn't make any sense at all so there will be an asterisk next to any winner this year of anything basically so right we'll see what happens One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. All right, welcome to another episode of It's a Streamable Life podcast, where we speak on peak entertainment. Uh, what happened today in history? Um, not much, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I looked and I thought one big thing because of, you know, how, uh, you know, just what she means to music was that on this day in 1992, Mary J. Blige released her debut album, which was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So that album is what, 28 years old? Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely iconic album. Uh, She birthed a whole new genre of R&B that that basically dominated the early to mid nineties. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yesterday, oh, I had I had to be I was doing something music wise, and um, it oh god, it was something about Madonna. I don't know, but I think her first album came out yesterday, uh, in nineteen eighty three, which I was like, wow. But then I realized she was only twenty four when she dropped that album. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah, she was young. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, really was. All righty, we'll get into our first segment here, our headlines. We have two different topics today that are sort of dominating 
the airwaves here. Our mm -hmm. first one, uh, San Diego held their Comic-Con at home, their virtual yeah. alternative for the regular Comic-Con season held out there every year. Um, the first time in the uh, event's history that it would be online. Yeah. Um, were you able to catch any panels? I was completely overwhelmed by the amount of stuff. I looked at the list and I was like, wow. But luckily HBO put the, uh, whatchamacallit one on YouTube after it happened. The, um, oh God. Why is it, why is this? The show that comes on the 16th. Oh, Lovecraft Country. Yeah. So I just watched it on YouTube like a day after it actually happened. So that's, that's really all I watched. And that's what I was kind of interested in seeing. Yeah, same here. The amount of content they had was was yeah. really overwhelming. I can't imagine what it's like to actually be there. Yeah, it seems like it would be like sensory overload with all those people and everything. It would be too much. Yeah, so I, I too only got to a few of them because um, I had a whole list and everything, and then the days came and it was just it was too much. Right. I right. think most of them are on YouTube. Uh, for viewers to see. I saw the Lovecraft Country one, which was really good. Right. And I caught the um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one where they talked to uh, show creators, writers, actors, and real scientists to sort of talk about the show and how science is sort of wrapped up in the narrative and how much is real, how much is fictional. It was a really interesting yeah. one. Hmm. So okay. those are the two I caught out of the thousand of things they were planning. Right. right. And I think just the the more I see about uh, Lovecraft Country, the more I, I just, I can't wait for it to start. Oh, definitely. It looks yeah. amazing. The cast is stacked. Um, I, I can't wait till next TV award season just to see. Oh, yeah. It lands because even though we'll get into that a little bit with our next topic, even though like these streamers and different platforms are popping up everywhere, HBO seems to maintain such a a force in terms of quality of content. Right. Want to see like yeah, it's amazing. Which brings us to our, our second topic. Uh, the 2020 Emmy nominations were announced this morning. I totally forgot that was even happening. Yeah, they really would have passed us by had we not, had you not texted me. I would just be like, what? Okay. Yeah, I all about it. So um, the Emmys, of course, this year were air Sunday, September 20th on ABC, hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, and the whole event will be virtual. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how this actually, excuse me, how this actually works out. Yeah. But um, it was an interesting Interesting show. Any uh, surprise nominations or snubs that stood out to you? Uh, surprise nominations? No, I think everybody kind of deserved where they had. I well, you know what? I will say the um, a couple a few months back, remember I told you I watched the next Netflix series um, on Orthodox, which followed the woman in the Orthodox Jewish community. And I did not expect that woman, the young woman, she, Shira Haas is her name, to be nominated. And she was an outstanding lead actress in a limited series. So I was like, oh, wow. I mean, I don't think she stands a chance. She gets Kate Blanchett, Regina King, Octavia Spencer, and Kerry Washington. But her name in there, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. 
Right, right. There, I think there were a lot of unexpected things across the board. I think the drama uh, series had its regulars um, mm-hmm. across show and acting awards, but um, I was surprised to see The Mandalorian up for Best Drama. Yeah, that's true. Um, where else? Uh, in, the insecure, in the comedy category, I was happy to see Insecure nominated yeah. both series and acting. Um, Shit's Creek and it's fine. Yeah. Tracy I, I feel also on Blackish being nominated. I feel like Shit's Creek is going to like kind of take a lot just because so many I, I so many people were talking about it this year so yeah um and then uh acting wise we have Zendaya was up for best lead actress for you yeah. which is big um and black lady sketch show was nominated which that was good to see right right and that's mm-hmm. that was great to see and i read the story on deadline where they talked about it was a great opportunity for that show but um unfortunately with the rule change if yeah. the category has less than 20 submissions there's a rolling scale nomination for zero to four nominations so only Wait. four nominees were going to be able to get in that category oh wow so yeah, but, like, oh yeah yeah so like sherman showcase wouldn't be i mean it didn't get nominated because they only allowed four people four shows to get nominated which the only other two were Drunk History and Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So they could add another one, but yeah. Then I was because I was just about to say Sherman Showcase. I think it needs a little bit more. I I, I don't know. I think it being on IFC is yeah. maybe not hurting it, but why people don't see it as as much. But yeah, definitely. I know. Oh, I, I was just want to say I know. I feel like SNL is going to win, but. I don't know if you watched Junk History, but that show is hilarious. Like I've seen clips and stuff, but I haven't watched consistently. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. It doesn't hold no. This past season of SNL shouldn't win. So right. I know it will. Um and then snubbed, I was kind of sad not to see um Mandy Moore for lead actress for This Is Us again. Uh no Regina Hall for Black Monday, although Don Cheetah was nominated. Yeah. Um, no acting nods for Plot Against America, which I guess HBO just pushed. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. We could have got something there. Yeah. They all acted. Well, with, and Mark Ruffalo got one, which was good. I mean, and oh, hopefully yeah. he wins. Yeah. Yeah. For I know this much is true. Yeah. Um, and then uh, people were noticing that, you know, Reese, Reese Witherspoon wasn't nominated for Big Little Lies or Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah. Nicole Kidman was missed. Um, no Viola Davis for How to Be Away with Murder for the final. No, no MJ Rodriguez. Right. The only people they consider nominate Billy Porter for Pose, which. Yeah. He's not the only actor on the show. No. Yeah. And I wouldn't consider I, him a lead either. Yes, you took the words right out of my mouth. Because I didn't want to say it. He's a big part of the show, but you, you don't see him. Without without Blanca, there is no show. She's the focal point. And right. everybody else is just kind of a branch of her, you know. But 
Yeah, so if anything, MJ Rodriguez should have got lead actress and Angelica Ross, Ross yeah. Because she did that for Candy. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But also, and, shout out to Jeremy Pope for Hollywood getting best lead Yeah, actress. I saw that. I still need to watch that. And then I saw a lot of people kind of um, upset about the lack of um, diversity in terms of, you know, Latinx uh, people. Yeah. yeah, they're dragging their feet with including Latinx yeah. and Asian representation. Yeah. Because you had shows like Vita and Hinton. Right. And you have Rita Moreno on One Day at a Time, like, the actors are there. The the content is there. Right. Um, so yeah. So we'll see. We'll have to see what happens, and we'll we will discuss this in a, a later episode, just on right. of who will win and whatnot. But until then, we've got another segment coming up. Our not segment where we're discussing chapter six and chapter five of Perry Mason and I'll Be Gone in the Dark, both on HBO. Mm-hmm. All right, so chapter, did I say that right? Chapter five of I'll Be Gone in the Dark? Yeah, it's the fifth one. Okay. I think there's only six. Yeah, yeah, because for some reason I thought this was the finale tonight. I was yeah. Or last night. All right, so chapter six is the beginning of the trial, basically. Yeah. And we have Perry, the inexperienced, uh, lawyer in the day yeah yeah investigator facing the district attorney barnes um and what is basically a landslide of of their client not based on any real facts or evidence but just innuendos and just general right like for her actions right um any moments uh stood out for you in the narrative here um, I think, I, I, um, well, now we're talking about Emmys. I hope this show gets some nods next year because, man, yeah, Matthew Riss, right? How do you pronounce his last name? I, I don't know. Yeah, well, he's acting. He, he's doing. He's doing it all. But um, I think some big points for me were just kind of the how things are are coming together. Things are coming together and for the, you know, um, the other side, I can't think of his name, the Ennis guy and all that, that's starting to fall apart. And we're finally, finally starting to see a little bit with two episodes left that there's something about the church. And it's, I was, I, when that yeah. came out, I was like, oh my goodness, thank you. Like, cause it was starting to get on my nerves. Yeah, so basically they're, all they had to do was start following the money, which I mean, right. You always have to do. They discovered that Gannon was ciphering funds from the church to a subsidiary that was addressed to him. Right. And then somehow it was going to this plot of land that belonged to Baggerly, right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, the connection between the church and these Gannon, these like thieves or whatever, basically, is that the new he's not an elder, but he's like a chairman, right? Yeah, the new chairman of the church was a former. What he, were the, 
he was like a head of something there too at the little weird place. Yeah, that counting place or wherever where all these people knew each other from. Yeah. Oh, that I loved how that was strung together because I definitely wasn't expecting that. No, no. Um, and I loved seeing uh, Detective Ennis and Holcomb like that partnership sort starting to fray. Yeah, at the end there, yeah. Yeah, because I don't think Holcomb knew just how dirty Enos was, and it's all good as long as you don't know what's happening. Right, and they did a good job of in the writing and the acting of making it seem like Holcomb was always on level terms with Enos in terms of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I thought he was in it as well, and then yeah, he goes over his house and you know, he loses his mind. Yeah, because it sounds like Enos just, like, paid to move up the ranks yeah. in the first place and then just do did what he wanted to do. Yeah, like, they were like, hey, we need you to do some dirty work. So. Yeah. And then uh, pivoting to Sister Alice, yep. um, there's a little fault in her star. She, we're seeing that she's not all that she cracks up to be, even though she believe she is right because her mom said look plan a is not gonna work i've got plan b ready to go because right right you gotta run yeah which i think <laughs> done before like yeah yeah it's part of their their history um what else i really like this stuff with officer drake and perry i'm um, in both the court scene and afterwards where he he sort of agrees to sort of go with it or whatever right and it's smart yeah. to get his wife out of town because he knows there's going to be right backlash that was, that was such a tense moment i so i so badly wanted him to put that evidence out there but then at the same time i didn't want old dude to get in trouble but then when you know he meets him at perry's house and they get the little package and it's like you know, nobody ever looks at these boxes. Right, true. And and Barnes didn't. He just literally right. dumped it on them. So but kudos to Della for being as smart as she is. Right. And um what's the investigator's name? Pete Keats. 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 Yeah. Uh played by um oh, what's his name? Oh yeah. Play a wingman. Yeah. Yeah. He's and, good. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying he's do- good too in his um, investigative. Yeah. Work. Another part that had me laughing was the uh, when he's going through the files and that lady. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the part where she was like, "Enus sounds a lot like penis." I was like, "Wait, <laughs> what? Like, what are you it doing?" Was so random, but it was so so comical. It was it was. Yeah. But yeah, I love that interaction. I was just about to say that that was good. Yeah. It was all good. Yeah. yeah, we have two episodes left to see how um, how this all equals out. Um, and luckily, we now know that Perry Mason's been not been renewed for a second season. Yeah, so, so I'm I'm hoping they solve this and then second season yeah. in case or whatever. Yeah, I, I think that will be the case in terms of what will happen. So. All right. 
And then we have chapter five of I'll Be Gone in the Dark, um, titled Monsters Receive But Never Vanish. Yeah. Which is a very haunting title, but um, given this, this episode's content, it, it fits. Um, so last episode, we left off with the 911 call that Michelle McNamara's husband, Patton Oswalt, makes when he discovers that she's no longer breathing. Mm-hmm. And this episode explored, you know, the the shock and sort of grief that struck, strikes her family and friends and colleagues when they find out that Michelle has passed. Right. Um, this was a really sad episode. It, it, the series yeah, is it was. heavy, but this was just so sad. Yeah, it was. It was because um, I mean they they talked about the case and they went back and forth, and I thought the bits about um, how technology worked in terms of DNA and how it progressed over time. I thought that was really interesting. But mm-hmm. then they, once you got away from that, it was either one of her family members. Or, you know, they talked to one of the victims again. And uh, yeah, it, it was. It was maybe the saddest episode. Yeah, yeah. And um, just it's doing a great job of not only highlighting um, the victims of the Golden State Killer and his harm, but just in general, the harm that women experience of all walks of life. Like, yeah. Michelle's own experience with assault and from that depression, um, her mother's uh, depression, which I think was hereditary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that relationship and how they were on the mends when her mother passes. Right, yeah, that was definitely sad. Um, yeah, just thinking how all that sort of might have contributed to, you know, the her mental state whenever you know if she suffered with depression right just that that all could bottle up i mean then even the the her fellow investigator citizen investigator her struggle with sexual assault and addiction and right how those experiences affect affect their lives um it was it's really interesting but it's really sad and then then they had a little a little bit of a a part in there talking about kind of how they hit the whatchamacallit yeah talking about drugs and just kind of how the opiate thing is and how it's taken over america so yeah and how i mean you could like the way patents uh said it, you know she says well i took this and that and it's just like oh yeah like you just pop an aspirin or you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. So much. We don't know how much more lethal these impotent these actual drugs are. Right. And I did not realize she passed the same time as Prince. Yeah, that's crazy. Because we know that that event took precedent that day, but it's very eerily the same thing. Because um, she didn't have a prescription; they were they were just drugs she had or was able to right. get. You never know what's inside them, which which was very sad. Um, but yeah, I did. I really enjoyed the talk of how they use twenty three and Me and 
the depths they went to sort of piece together this sort of family tree to identify uh, and a suspect. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was pretty wild. When he said it took two years to piece together that family, I was like, damn, I thought that was a couple months of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and just like all that work and the first, the first inkling, even with all the coincidences of the proximity of where he lives and stuff and the guy wasn't a match. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It was, it was insane. Um, so we have one more episode of this, uh, which, which airs this Sunday. Um, I think I'm going to eventually read the book soon. Yeah. Cause it, it sounds very interesting and, and, Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. They keep saying it's well-written and then they read, you know, like little, um, portions of it and it is like, wow, you know, it's, it, it very detailed so yeah she's a, a wonderful writer so yeah i'm definitely gonna look into the book and i just wonder how i mean we don't know what it would be now but if she if she was living just how this documentary would be totally different you know yeah. Like, like yeah so so i don't know we'll see yeah so that's our knock segment um are you binging anything lately because i haven't been no, no, not at all. Uh, I've, I don't know. I, I what's what's the word? I, I'm trying to finish things, so I'm not started anything new. But you know, I've watched like two episodes of a show that's been sitting in my queue on Netflix for like three months. So yeah, same here. Yeah, I'm doing more uh, reading, so that's sort of like my binging right now. But I haven't really watched anything in a few weeks or started. Right. All right, no concessions. Um, start with trailer things. We got uh, three trailers here. The first being HBO dropped the latest and probably final Lovecraft Country trailer. Yeah. Um, this sort of explores the full story that we're looking at. Um, it looks incredible. Yeah. I showed my parents and was like, we have to watch this. And they were like, very impressed, so. Um, There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, a lot going on. And from the book, um, I don't want to give away too much, but the book is sort of, excuse me, written in like vignettes, I guess you'd say. Okay. So it's the same character, the same universe, but different experiences in each book or chapter. So right. you might get like, all the same characters in this series, but there's going to be different experiences at all sort of all sort of um, are focused on the same same uh, plot. All right. Yeah. Then um, a, sh- a show I had heard about but had no idea what it was about is Showtime's We Hunt Together, which debuts August 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, looks like a British series where um, two newly partnered detectives, a male and female, are tracking down a murderous uh boyfriend and girlfriend um this looks really interesting it, it's looks humorous but it's extremely dark right the trailer made the trailer helped bring the little blurb slash synopsis to life because i was kind of like okay this doesn't make much sense and then you see it and it's like oh wow all right yeah yeah it looks really good yeah and i don't know what it is about 
the UK and their crime shows, but they just seem to do it better. Yeah, I think it's because they don't try to draw them out. That part. Like, yeah, I think that's the big thing. Yeah. And then we have the trailer for Unwell. I I totally forgot that I watched this trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, this is a documentary on Netflix about the basically the phenomenon of like wellness industry. Right, yeah. Right now, um, everything about, you know, gluten-free and right. organic this and essential oils that and examines just how healthy it really is. Yeah, it looked very interesting. It, it kind of made it like, um, I don't know, kind of kind of hitting out, of, like you said, just like fads and then um, I always like to see things where like myths are busted and uh, I think that's what grabbed me. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I, I randomly clicked on it just for right. the, the uh, artwork and watched right. this. Oh, this looks very interesting. Yeah, so I'm definitely into that. Yes, yes. And then uh, we have a few films that you watch here. Yeah, late, but I finally saw Parasite. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? I still actually have to finish it, but I'm going to talk about it anyways because um, one thing on like Twitter or just the internet in general, I think movies get hyped up anyways. Just, you know, it's mm-hmm. easy for something to go there and catch fire. This movie and Phantom Thread are like the only two movies that I've seen after reading reviews about them on Twitter or just in general where they've actually lived up to it. Like this is the way this movie plays out is just nuts. It's crazy. Like, I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm late, but um, the hype is well-deserved and it, it yeah. definitely deserved everything that it won. Yeah, it, it's then, a crazy ride, but it, it works so well. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's how, do I, how do I say it? It's, sometimes in foreign films, foreign films are much better than American films at pacing. And there's no there's no time in this movie or no point in this movie where it feels like it's moving too slow. Like from the jump, you're tossed into the story and you have to catch up in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, it's it's good. Um, and then A Portrait of Lady on Fire is another movie where I think it, it got a lot of hype at festivals and then kind of the award circuit. And it was well-deserved. It was, um, I'm never gonna try to pronounce all these French names. So um, just know it's a French film. And uh, a woman is hired um, to paint the portrait of another woman that is to be married to a man from Milan. And what happens is this woman that wants to be married doesn't want to marry this man. And so while they're at this castle on like the seaside of France, they, um, you know, become friends, they get closer, they talk about their desires and life and just everything. And uh, then, then they kind of start a little relationship that eventually ends when the painter has to leave. But it's really good, um, kind of beautifully shot, uh, not that long. And another thing is that you watch the movie, and on one hand, I, I, I kid you not, you can count the men you see. There's maybe she one of the painter takes a boat there and there's maybe like four men on there and they're in the movie for maybe six minutes and then towards the end 
she something gets dropped off for the island. She's getting ready to leave, and a guy shows up, and that's it. But you you really don't notice it until the men show up. It's like, oh, wait a second, Dude, this has been all women the whole time. But it's wow. really good. It's really really good. Yeah, it's definitely on my list. Yeah, uh, I remember watching the trailer. Well, finally seeing the trailer, and then finally realizing what it was about. I was like, oh, right, right, yeah. So, no, it's a it's a good one. All right, that concludes our no concessions. And we'll finally in our feature presentation where we're continuing our second stream around discussion of NBC's season one of Hannibal. Today we have episodes seven, eight, and nine um, where we left off. Let's see, we have Jack being sort of haunted by the ghost of Miriam Lass, where the Chesapeake Ripper is sort of taunting him. And we were introduced to Dr. Gideon, who presumes to believe that he is the Chesapeake Ripper after escaping uh, a fraudulent medical situation, basically. Right, right. And yeah. So episode seven is Sorbet, which I think we all know what that is. Right, yeah, we can pronounce that. She's also was directed by James Foley and written by Fuller and Jesse Alexander. And synopsis is after a man is found dead in a hotel room with his kidney missing, Jack believes a serial killer known as the Chesapeake Ripper has resurfaced. Yeah. This was an interesting episode because there was so much like misdirection here. Yeah, yeah. Um, with with this killer because you had half the team thinking it was the Chesapeake Ripper um, that sort of killed this guy and then tried to save him, which Will immediately realizes the Ripper is not about saving people. No, right. About killing them. He's about destroying them brutally. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so then we have that as well as... Um, Jack's uh, guilt over last intensifying, intensifying yeah. um, after they've discovered her arm at the observatory and him not really knowing if she was alive or dead because they'd never found the body. Right, right. Um, the opening scene of this episode, though, is one of my favorites as um, Hannibal is at the opera and how it starts... Um, in the woman's esophagus, which yeah, that's that's nuts. <laughs> this is a crazy way right. to to sort of identify a singer, but it makes sense. Like that's where their power is, and given right the nature of the show, like it was just crazy. Um, and we're introduced to well, reintroduced kind of to uh, Hannibal's client Franklin. Yeah. Uh, a glimpse of him earlier in the earlier episodes where he kept imagining seeing a lion or something. Yeah. And here we see that he has some sort of infatuation with Hannibal, um, mm-hmm. which he can sense, obviously. Yeah. And we also meet Franklin's friend, Tobias. Yeah. Who we'll see more of in later episodes. Um, but basically, Franklin is basically begging Hannibal to be his friend or to acknowledge him or give him reverence. Right. And Hannibal's just about, he's like, you're thirsty. 
<laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what he said. <laughs> yes. Um, but this scene is also great because we see Hannibal address one of his, I guess, friends who misses his dinner parties. And he just, you know, he says the inspiration has to be there. And sure enough, right. we get a montage of Hannibal's inspiration left and right of meals he's yeah. fresh from the Baltimore area. Um, we're also introduced to uh, Jillian Anderson's character, Dr. I can't really, Bedelia, we'll just yeah. the first name. Um, and she is Hannibal's psychiatrist, and they have a somewhat, you can tell they have a somewhat complicated relationship. Yeah. Um, what else in this episode? Um, oh, I think you cover most of it. Yes. In terms of big stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they eventually uh, discover that the killer um, is actually a medical student, well, paramedic, who's doing like sideshow, I don't know what, clinical surgeries. <laughs> yeah, like I think he's studying to be a doctor, and I guess this is just his way of getting practice. Right, on real people. Yeah. And they re- literally catch him in the act right. of almost killing someone. And Hannibal, they call him to save save the patient. Yeah. Um, also, Will misses his appointment. So this was like the first humongous lapse in time. Yeah, that's right. For him. Because he, he has that little flip out where he's at the place... Um, Oh, wait, no, that's not it. That's not it. I think that comes later when there, it's like that totem pole episode where he. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this one, he misses an appointment. I forget where he was. Right, right. I don't notice that he, he just doesn't show up. I think he's just sitting in his classroom, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, somehow he lost time because he's, yeah. And Hannibal comes to him as a friend and it's like, you know, I have a 24-hour cancellation policy and. Yeah, so he's he's starting to lose. lose uh, I wonder who is the cooking consultant for this show. Yeah, I don't know because that, that's a good point. They've they had to look up something to kind of yeah. make it look, you know, real. Yeah. Mm. All right. Episode eight is fromage. Uh, which is basically a cheese. Yeah. And this episode was directed by Tim Hunter and written by Jen Schur. Uh, Will and Jack pursue a murderer who makes instrument strings from the guts of humans. Yeah. Um, and this is where we get the continuation of the character Tobias. Yeah. Um, played by Demore Barnes. And honestly, I think this was the first time I can remember seeing a black serial killer yeah, you don't really see it. Right. That's a good point. No, because most of the time, villains, if they're black, they're thugs, drug dealers. Right. Just petty stuff. Right. But, um, yes, he is a instrument maker who decides to string right. his cellos and violins with um, human 
made strings. Yeah. And I think this is maybe the most, uh, how would I say it? Maybe when you think about this show, this is probably the most, I don't know, the, the biggest killing that you remember in the sense of what it looks like. Like if you think about the show, you think about, oh, you remember when he put the neck of that cello through that guy's throat? Like, Yeah, it's, it's very, very unforgettable. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we see that um, Will is starting to, to break. He, mm-hmm. Hearing, that's how the episode actually opens, I believe. He's hearing an animal outside. Um, right. And I didn't know this before, but this, this second time around watching it, he's hearing it, but none of the dogs are moving. Yeah. Which should have been a, a telltale sign, like it's in his head. But some reason that didn't register on my first watching. But um, he's starting to hear animals. He hears something in his wall. Yeah. Breaks it open, nothing there. So something, something is clearly wrong. Um, and instead of instead of I know going to get I mean he goes to get help but yeah, he just yeah yeah he kind of just lets it consume him in a way yeah lets it fester yeah um, we're brought back to Franklin who who Hannibal realizes I can no longer see you because you have a unhealthy attraction to sociopaths. Yeah. And Franklin mentions how his friend Tobias um, sort of admitted or mentioned that he wanted to, you know, play an instrument with the human strings and make him think of the murder at the opera house. Right. And he's linking things together. Um, and I think in one of the most chilling scenes of the series, Will sort of connects the dots himself off of the information Hannibal gives him because yeah. you know, he he wants to be a good friend and also he wants to protect himself because yeah. this guy is too close to him with Franklin being in, in the mix. He tips him off about this suspect and Will goes in alone. I don't know why. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, to the music shop, um, first with the police officer. He goes with the police officers, right? Yeah, they go for. They're actually all together. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. what something ha- doesn't Will hear something and he walks out. Yeah, yeah, he hears dogs barking again in the street because he stops and he asks the, the killer and then the cops like, "Do you hear that?" And then he goes in the streets and he hears the yeah. dogs barking, but there's yeah. nothing out there. And by the time he comes back, the cops are missing. Yeah. Tobias is gone. So he wanders down to the basement, creakety, creakety, creak. Right. And sees the workshop and he finds, oh, first he finds a cop stabbed. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Then he follows the trail down to the workshop and finds the other one. I'm not sure how he did this, but he basically like cut his face with the strings yeah somehow killed him right yeah yeah and this is definitely one of the most tense scenes of the series i think because we never see will 
in this in this type predicament before. No, um, no. Because with Garrett Hobbs, you know, he's saving Abigail, but here it, it was his life on the line. Right. And Tobias comes up behind him with a string to, to cut his throat, and Will's smart enough to put his fingers up before and shoots the gun. <laughs> yeah, shoots his ear off. Yeah, basically. So um, Tobias escapes. Um, Will's basically rescued, and we get a ultimate showdown between Tobias and Hannibal. Um, I had questions about that. How did he get there so quickly? I don't know, because I don't know if he <laughs> drove or if he ran. Right. Because Franklin's already there. Yeah, yeah, he's at an appointment, I guess. And I'm not sure what the distance was between wherever he was and there, but um, Tobias winds up there. How do you even know it was there? Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, We didn't have, well, did we have like Google Maps and all that stuff? Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, Tobias arrives there um, and basically the secret's out. They both know about each other, essentially. Yeah. Tobias and Hannibal are both sociopaths. And neither one of them wants to be each other's friend because we, as we saw in the previous episode, Hannibal had invited Tobias over basically to kill him. Tobias mm -hmm. had invited him as well. But they let bygones be bygones because Will interrupts that interaction. Here, mm -hmm. um, they know one of them has to go because they're going to be got. And Hannibal right. takes it upon himself to protect himself again and murders Franklin. Yeah. Literally snaps his neck. And we get this fight between him and Tobias, which is brutal. Yeah. Um, and eventually, Hamill gets an upper hand. I think he hits him in the throat to sort of stagger him, and then he hits him, yeah, over, he the hits head him over the head. Yeah. Stag, uh, bus or statue. Yeah. Um, and the police come, and Hannibal convinces him that it was all self defense, which, I mean, technically. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. And he just places the death of Franklin on Tobias. Right. And Jack, for good reason, is suspicious about all these murders around this one psychiatrist. Right, right. But he can't really piece it together. And they do a good job of making Hannibal look like a sympathetic figure. Yeah. And thus the bond between Will and Hannibal grows stronger and um, even in conversations with Bedelia, Hannibal reveals, you know, he sees Will as a friend, someone who he can sort of confide in and, and trust. Right. And episode nine is Troy Norman. Yeah, I have no clue what that means. There's basically a pause between dishes. Okay. This is the episode you were talking about. A human totem pole is found on right. a comprised of 17 different bodies, which I kind of had to sit and think, how would someone do this in real life? Yeah, how would they lift it up? Like, It was a little, a little exaggerated. Right, it was too much, way too much. Yeah. And then you find out there's one person, like, come on. Yeah, exactly, and in public. Like, yeah. the, but anywho, <laughs> uh, a human totem pole is found on the beach comprised of 17 different bodies. 
As the team works to find a common thread between the victims, Abel, Abigail comes clean to Hannibal regarding a dark secret. Mm-hmm. So this episode was directed by Guillermo Navarro and written by Steve Lightfoot. Um, opens, we see Will is losing more time. And is this when Hannibal initiates the clock thing? Uh, I think so, yeah. Because this is what, yeah, he loses three and a half hours or something like that. Yeah, so Hannibal introduces exercise him to draw a clock and sort of recite certain words to sort of center him. And while Will sees the clock perfectly structured, in reality, it's all the numbers just landed to the right. Right. It's off kilter. Um, and uh, Abigail's in therapy, and it is a twisted nightmare. Um, yeah, for her, yeah. That she's in. Uh, she can't escape the legacy her father left her, basically. And, right. And the the therapy session turns on all the her victims accusing her of of killing them and whatnot. Um, so the, enter Freddie Lowndes once again. And these outfits. Yes, these twenty six. Who lends a I guess an olive branch to Abigail because she wants to help her tell her story. Yeah, uh, sort of unearth these rumors that she helped her dad in these murders and that she killed Nicholas Boyle and, and just set the record straight. Um, because Freddie on one hand believes Abigail that she didn't kill them, but on the other hand, she thinks Will um is a killer. So yeah. there's sort of a fifty fifty catch twenty two there. Right. And the woman they have playing her um Oh God! Wasn't it Frankie Freddie? Yeah, yeah. They they had to have told her, "Hey, we want you to just be completely unlikable, just be a nuisance, just yeah." Because the way she carries that character, that's how you feel every time she's on the the screen. It's just like, oh my goodness! It's like TMZ before TMZ. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. No, she's right, but it's just the the methods of which way she's operating is just right. and nasty and ugh. Right. You can tell she's looking out for herself more than anything. Exactly. Um, we've got Will denying his problems and Jack ignoring the signs. You know, Will, mm-hmm. at some point, Will's like, I've got to step back. And Jack's like, no. Yeah, he's just like, keep brushing it off. Yeah, and they, they they're both sort of having a tug of war of him at the edge, yeah. which, which is dangerous. Um, on another note, Alana finally comes clean by her feelings for Will, because um, mm-hmm. they kissed before, um, and she does like him, but you know, it's his, his, I want to say. unstable. I think yeah. that's the word she uses. Exactly. And she doesn't want, her life for him to come off as almost a uh, interest in his mental ability, yeah. which could easily be misconstrued as that. Um, they find Boyle's body, mm-hmm. and Jack immediately suspects Abigail is the killer. Um, 
And I think, don't they interrogate her? Yeah, they, well, he suggests that they do it first. And that's when all three of them, Hannibal, um, Will, and God, I'm horrible with names. Alana. Alana, you know, kind of go at him like, no, this isn't right. You'll ruin her. And then, yeah, they, he interrogates her over the boy's body. Like it's in between them on the, the gurney. Yeah, and that's definitely badgering the witness or whatever you right, right. call it. Um, so yeah, they interrogate her and she she does well because she's learned yeah, yeah. to lie quite well. And not not that she really lies, but she doesn't right. tell everything. Um, but Jack is a good cop and he's not going to, to let it slide. And then Hannibal, the puppeteer that he is, um, he he gets in between there, and um, I forget how this happens. It's just him and Abigail, right? Yeah, when he ends up, yeah, I think he's at. It's after all that happens, and she just, I, she must just go to his house. Yeah, I think she, because she leaves the asylum and winds up at right. place. Yeah. And she she comes clean that she was um a part of her father's right murders. She was she was the bait just as Jack as suspected, you know. Right. All the girls that were targeted, they were either going to attend a college she was looking at or whatever. She befriended them. Right. Like the latest victim on the uh bus or the yeah. train. Um she was all all part of part of it, and we don't know if it was against her will or she enjoyed it, but the truth finally comes out, yeah, and I think doesn't will finally piece it together as well, yeah, some time after that he 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 has one of those visions where he's in the room. And he turns into Abigail stabbing the boil dude and then turns into him getting stabbed by Abigail or something weird like that. But yeah. to back up a little bit, he throughout the whole episode, he had been having visions of like being her dad or seeing his her dad, even in the previous episode where he's playing the cello in the throat of the guy. It's oh, yeah. Abigail's dad in the crowd alone clapping for him so you knew something was coming right 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 because that that his way of empathizing with the killer was actually like sort of becoming them and right yeah his need to save abigail sort of revealed like that father figure was right right the crux of the the crime she committed so yeah yeah powerful episode all right. Um, any favorite episodes from these three? I think of these three, I, I think this the second one, episode eight, would be my favorite. Because I'm not going to lie, I, until I started the episode, I I was like, hold on, I've watched this. Is this black guy always in this show? Like, I, I don't know. My mind just completely blinked that whole thing out for some reason. Like I, I don't know why I don't remember that, but um, 
it uh it had to be episode eight and yeah same same with me episode eight seems out it's one of my favorites overall right and i'll oh, go ahead oh no i was just gonna say re-watching these um I'm just kind of going through this thing of th- this is an extremely watchable show. There isn't an episode that feels like it's like, oh, this is dragging on. It's right. There's no right. filler. Like everything is very intense. No. Right. And even with episodes where there's not a, I guess, new murder or right. whatever, um, like Sorbet. Yeah. Or not Sorbet. But yeah, like there's just, I guess, Andre, like you had. Gideon kills the one. There's still right still that whole mystery there. Absolutely. And with episode nine, what did they ever discover about the totem pole? Wasn't the what? guy? Oh, we totally forgot. It was that old guy. Yeah, the old guy yeah. <laughs> thought he had gotten away with it because he had been killing all these people. Right. He ended up killing some. Didn't he end up killing like some guy who he thought was it, it, wasn't his son? It was something strange like that because the way he, what he says to them is like he wasn't supposed to exist. So I think he was kind of like a illegitimate kid of his or something. Yeah. Yeah, something something along those lines. It was really weird and twisted, but yeah, right. they, they realized that it was sort of like that the whole Golden State Killer thing. Like this guy had finally sort of retired or whatever and right yeah ready to die and wanted to sort of relieve himself of all of this but right in the end like he ended up killing his son or something because he thought his wife had cheated and wasn't his or whatever right 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 kind of weird all right so that concludes part three um we have do you want to finish this in the next segment the last four do you want to do three and then just one i think just doing four probably best yeah i agree so next episode our future presentation will be the last four episodes of season one of hannibal and we'll just sort of recap our thoughts of the whole season as a whole with that um what will you be streaming for the weekend which will bring us into august already yeah which is crazy um but on Netflix, um, it's already come out, but there is a docu-series called uh, Fear City, New York versus the Mafia. And uh, I absolutely love stuff about the Mafia. I don't, I mean, it, it's, it's such a strange time in, in American history because it was organized crime. I mean, it still technically exists, but nothing like it was in the 70s. So um, I'm going to check that out. I don't know how many parts it is, but that should be good. Alrighty, and for me, uh, July thirty first, Beyonce's Black is King will premiere on this Disney Plus. This is supposed yeah. to be her uh, visual album that corresponds with the soundtrack she did for The Lion King live action last okay. year. So there's been trailers for it out and whatnot, and um, that's what I hope to to watch Friday. All right. Alrighty. Um, before we get out of here, remember to rate and review us on your podcast. Follow us on all socials at AS Life Podcast. 
and follow for more content on streamablelife.wordpress.com. <laughs> and until next time, keep on streaming. Peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get Streamable Life.